This episode of Software Social is brought to you by Reform. As a business owner, you need forms all the time for lead capture, user feedback, SaaS onboarding, job applications, early access signups, and many other types of forms. Here's how Reform is different. Your brand shines through, not Reforms. It's accessible out of the box, and there are no silly design gimmicks like frustrating customers by only showing one question at a time. Join indie businesses like Fathom Analytics and Savvy Cal and try out Reform. Software Social listeners get one month free by going to reform.app social and using the promo code social on checkout. Hey, uh, welcome back to Software Social. Um, I am so excited this week to have with us the woman, the myth, the legend, Rosie Sherry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so excited to have you. Um, so you were a founder of Ministry of Test, led community at Indie Hackers, which is probably how many people listening uh, know you, currently leading community for Orbit, also have your own thing going on, Rosie Land, which is a community about community. So excited to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. So I want, I want to start out with something, something I notice when I think about your background is how you've kind of gone between being a founder yourself and intentionally working for other people, also having sort of other things going on. And, you know, on the show in the past, we've kind of talked a little bit about how sometimes there's this perception that there's this sort of like staircase of an entrepreneur's career where you start out working for other people and then maybe you have an info product and then maybe you do consulting and then you do an info product and then you have a SaaS and then I don't know. And it's like this sort of like staircase and there's this sort of like implied increase in virtue throughout all of that. And then if you're taking backwards steps, that's seen as like literally like a step backwards. And it's like this ladder rather than being this kind of what I more see in people's actual careers, which is kind of moving between different things as their interests lead them and as their life leads them. I feel like I see that in your career and I'm kind of curious how you think about these shifts you've made between working for yourself and working for other people and like, like kind of all of that. Yeah, it's kind of like steps going up and down, right? Or going up and down a lift, I guess, an elevator. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have like, no idea what I'm doing. But I, 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 I guess like, I, I kind of go with the flow. Um, when I when I stepped back from Ministry of Testing, I'd been doing that for 10 years. And I thought, like, as I was stepping back, I, I thought I'd never work for someone else. It was like, my plan was to take some time off and just, like, take it easy for a bit and just, um, I don't know, see what I wanted to do. I, I knew I kind of wanted to, like, focus in on community, but I wasn't sure how. Um, but then, like, the opportunity with Indie Hackers came up and I was like, oh, you know, this, this could be fun. This could be interesting. I think I could learn a lot from how Cortland has built community there. It's similar to Ministry of Testing in some ways, but yet it's, it's it's really different. So I kind of just jumped on that, like you know, earlier earlier than I had planned. I was I was a contractor there for the whole time. Um, I was there for two years as a contractor, and basically we just kept renewing the contract like every three to six months. So it wasn't like it was a plan to stay there. Um, I'm partly surprised that I stayed there for two years. I thought I wouldn't last. I thought I wouldn't be able to 
kind of work for someone else after like doing my own thing for 10 years. That was interesting. There's a lot of benefit, especially, I think, perhaps more these days where everything just seems, just feel like there's so much opportunity out there. And there's a lot of things that I didn't like about running a business. I didn't, you know, necessarily want to manage people. I didn't want to do the accounts. I didn't want to worry about money or worry about, you know, the future of of the business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, loads of things about running a business that I think people try to glorify, they try to hide, they try to not talk about it. But, you know, it can be stressful. And I think my realisation after running Ministry of Testing is actually I don't want, I don't want to run a company and employ people. I don't want to be responsible for someone's wages at, at the point of life that I that, that I am in at the moment. Might it might change over time, but right now I just can't be bothered. Yeah, I, I'd rather like I guess do something more for me, something more you know focusing on like my interests and things that that I need. Um, yeah, and I guess like contracting, bringing home a paycheck. That's great, but you know, for for me, it's been, you know, it was great. I saved up a bunch of money. I didn't actually spend any of the money that I made at Indie Hackers, so that was like a nice, consistent income for me to like, you know, give our family more more of a safety net. Now I'm at Orbit, and I, I never ever considered working for a startup before Orbit. Yeah, it's it's new for me. It's different for me, but there's negative. There's a lot of pros as well. So I, I try to kind of be mindful of all of that and you know there's days that that I just want to pack it all in and say oh I can't be bothered I should just go back to being independent but there are other days where I'm just like no this is actually really good I'm enjoying what I'm doing there's you know there's a great team that I'm working with and again you know I get paid well I don't have to worry about money I don't have to invoice people the money just shows up every month in my bank account and I'm like oh this is nice this is you know just nice not just to show up and do the work you mentioned how it was stressful being responsible for people's paychecks. And I totally relate to that. I think it's one of the reasons why we haven't really, you know, formally hired here, right? Like I have a VA, but you know, you strike me as someone who, you know, and this comes through so much in your work for indie hackers and your work on community who like deeply cares about other people and supporting them yeah. and encouraging them and helping them reach their goals and you know and, and and be that person they want to be and I wonder if that almost made it harder to be running a company and responsible for people's income when you felt so responsible for those outcomes and really invested in them as people yeah I mean it, it's actually interesting because like I still own in ministry of testing or co-own it when you're a founder you're kind of like I guess the foundation of everything that comes later to a certain extent so, like, the fact that I worked when I wanted, the fact that I had five kids, the fact that I just, like, took time off when I needed to, the fact that I, defi- you know, decided my own hours, all of those things ended up becoming how things were done at Ministry of Testing. And it's become more apparent, I guess, as, the, like, the team, I think about eight or nine people at the moment. At first, you know, I was the only one with uh, kids, and, you know, I was very much family friendly person, you know, I would support, you know, everything about me is like, we need to live our own lives as well. We need to have flexibility, you know, work shouldn't stop us having having a family and doing things that we want to do. And at first it was like, uh, just me with the kids, 
But then, like, as, as the years have gone, I think last year, there were three new babies born within the company. And as a team with, like, nine people, that's like, oh, wow. How are we going to manage this as, like, as, as a company? Even though it's not my responsibility anymore, there's, like, a CEO running it. But he very much took on the f- philosophy of, like, well, this is how Rosie has always done it. So this is what everybody else gets to do as well. So we let the mothers choose what they want to do. We let them, you know, take the time off that they need to take time off and ha- have a say. And there's no there's no judgment for any of it. And we listen and we care and we try to make uh, good decisions, even even if it costs us money, right? And like as a small company and you have three of your people off on maternity leave, it's a big kind of hit. But it, it's it's not something that, uh, feels wrong it very much feels right and like uh, allowing everybody just to choose the time that they have off and paying them well and you know making sure that they get a fair deal when they're off on maternity leave is to me you know I couldn't do it any other way because it would feel hypocritical and for me it's just like I can't have one set of rules for me and like a different set of rules for for everyone else even if I never took maternity leave properly um, I, I believe like you know everybody else should have have that right to do that I guess it sounds like a bit like golden rule management like treating others as how you would want to be treated yeah I don't understand why companies can't do that uh, can't comprehend it and it's probably why I haven't it took me I guess it's probably why it took me a long time to actually end up working for other people because like I would at least until the pandemic it was just like Nobody was truly flexible enough in their thinking about how people showed up for work. And like I've been working from home all this time on my own roles. And then the pandemic comes along and I'm just like still working the same way that I was working before. It's like nothing changed for me day to day. But for everyone else or, you know, like a huge majority of people, uh, life changed and companies rethought their processes and what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable and the fact that we can all work from home now I think is is great but at the same time as I'm like well why couldn't we do this before we could have but companies you know I guess like it wasn't urgent enough to think of our needs until the pandemic came along and you know you mentioned how your life didn't change all that much with the pandemic yeah, I want to detour for a second because I understand that. So you have five children, and you unschool them. Yeah, and I think it would just be interesting for a moment just to talk about not only what does that look like, but also you know you mentioned your home life didn't change much, and I'm kind of curious what does that home life look like between you and your husband with this sort of unschooling element layering on top of also like your your work life. Like how does all of that work together? Yeah, it's tough. I, I think like unschooling, I think the, the toughest part about unschooling, I think is, or even homeschooling, is about making that kind of adjustment to life, like trying to, instead of like, you know, if, if kids go to school, you know, you have that six, eight hour block of time to kind of get work done and you can plan things around that. With unschooling, it's like, well, you kind of have to plan for your kids and then you have to plan your work around your kids and you have to juggle things. With me, it's with my husband. We, like, have equal share on, like, the kids in the house. And I, I just think that's the hardest part. It's like mo- most people probably, uh, yeah, I guess I feel I feel privileged to be able to do that at the moment. But, like, I, I guess, like, a thing I do is, like, we're having this chat for me it's in the morning and that's like 
not my normal schedule. So, so like normally, like I, I'm online from midday till eight, and I'm with my kids from when they wake up until midday, and then at midday, me and my husband swap over, and that's those are the that's the deal we have right now to make things work. And so, in the morning, I, I would normally take my kids to a class that they have or a group that they go to, and it works, I guess, to trying to split that time. It changes all the time as as my work changes or as my husband's work changes. We we find ways to adapt, and I guess that's the magic of unschooling. I guess like unschooling is like we're, we're always I guess like we're always looking for things that our kids want to do uh, to keep them active. So every day, especially our younger ones, who are between the age of three and ten, we you know getting them out out the house once a day is like basically our goal, and that happens in different ways at the moment it's like forest school beach school uh, art class uh, sports or football and then other days that we hire or we, we pay a friend to take them out for the day uh, she's like a single mom and appreciates extra bit bit of income it's tough it really is tough and it's like we have to say no to things a lot of the time but I think at the same time I think like the pandemic has kind of worked in my favor as well now that everyone's online, I feel like, what's the right word? I, I guess previous to the pandemic, I felt like I was the only one needing to have the flexibility. But I think like these days, it's it's more, more acceptable, I guess. Everyone's more accommodating. Like having kids in the background is okay. Pre-pandemic, that was not okay. You know, stuff like that. It's, you know, despite COVID, I appreciate how the world has changed. Which feel, feels weird. I don't know. What do you think? It feels it feels weird to yeah to say that, but I think you know actually there's you know been positives from COVID. I think it's forced us to reevaluate things and maybe shifts that were happening very slowly. Like you mentioned, you know, more work from home and maybe more flexibility. Shifts that were happening very very slowly or only in very specific corners of the economy were kind of thrust on everyone all at once, which was both traumatic and also sped up things that needed to happen too at the same time at great cost to everyone involved. You know, as you said, like, you know, that it's acceptable to have children in the background or even a dog barking. Like I remember two years ago, you know, before COVID and I was having a call and my dog barked in the back because the mailman was there or whatever. Like, I always felt so embarrassed on the call. And, you know, I remember sometimes, you know, the people, uh, you know, whoever I was having, you know, customers having a call with, or one of them being like, oh, yeah, you know, we have a dog friendly office too. And I was just like, yeah, like dog friendly office, you know, that whole thing of like being a really small company and not wanting to be like, oh, yes, I'm actually like working from home. Like that being kind of like, something to be sheepish about you know like the, that you were working from home because it was like, like what like can you not afford an office are you not legit enough to have an office like do you not like it used to prompt so many questions most of them not very like positively reflecting on the company but then all of a sudden you know so many of us you know who were lucky enough to be working from home everybody was working from home everybody you know had kids in the background dogs in the background cats on their keyboard like you know and we all just had to learn how to be a little bit more understanding with one another more human right i think i think like yeah it's like we, we we've learned to appreciate and see that we all 
live in different circumstances and we, we should adapt to that and we should um, make sure it's okay make you know almost like I guess like the whole um, diversity movement I guess in the past few years has you know crept up and you know to me this is also like part of it is like we're all human we're all people we have different circumstances that the sooner uh, we can make that okay for everyone to just like be who they are opt in opt out of things uh, be able to you know not have shame for for whatever it might be I think like the better the, the quicker we can just like move on and like kind of focus on our work and get and get things done you know you saying shame just there kind of reminded me of, of what we sort of started this conversation with which is you know in in your career you have sort of intentionally and consciously moved between contracting and and being a founder and working for other people and when people come to a situation where they realize that maybe consulting isn't working for them or they're trying to get their own SaaS off the ground and it's not working and the finances are tight and they're thinking about, you know, going out and getting a job. Um, yeah. It seems like people often feel a lot of shame around that. And, and that feels like failure to them. And I think what your story shows that, it, you know, it's not linear and and I'm just kind of curious what you would say to someone who is kind of maybe at that point, who is wondering, you know, just, you know, the thing, things aren't things aren't working and the finances aren't there and they've they've got to go back and, you know, get a job like what yeah. what would you say to them? I mean, I definitely felt this like in the indie in the indie world, like being immersed in that world, and you know, people want to make it; they want to be full time indie hackers, um, and it almost becomes like a thing of like, well, if you're not full time indie hacking, then like you you know you're not a success really, or there's only one way, um, and. You know, I almost, you know, thought that, you know, I thought even just like work, working at India because I thought I wouldn't last. I thought, I, you know, people, you know, I wouldn't make an impact or I wouldn't enjoy working um, with Cortland or all that kind of stuff. And um, even even when I joined Indie Hackers, the, the, the opportunity came up as a result of Cortland looking for some social media help. And I was just like, at that point, I was just looking for something else to do. And like, when I reached out to him, he was like, yeah, but you're overqualified for this. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. But it's like, I'm, you know, I'm still like, you know, I, I can do it. And, you know, I I've, I personally felt like I could learn from indie hackers. Um, and that, that role ended up being more like of a, you know, community manager, community lead role that he that he offered me. But did I feel shame like doing that a, a little bit? But at the same time, I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, I need to, do, you know, I, I really wanted just to have an excuse to do something else. Um, so yeah, I went from CEO founder to <laughs> social media and uh, community manager, which is a step back, right? It, you know, on paper it's a step back, but actually, what it did for me was was huge. It's like before I joined Indiac, because no one 
in the indie world really knew, knew who I was. There's a few people here and there, but um, w- what it did for me was was massive. So I, I think I think a lot of the choices, I guess, are perhaps is that it's not all about money. It's not all about job titles, and we can dismiss job titles as not important. But you know, I think sometimes they can be. But um, I think I think it's like if, if we think about. Or like the way I think about it is like, well, I, I want to do stuff. I want to learn stuff and I want to work on things that I, I care about. And does it matter if it's starting your own thing or working for someone else? I don't think it really does. I think at least for me, it's like, you know, uh, fi- find it, finding the right people to work with is, is, is key. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of jobs that I'm sure would be sucky, and I see, I, I definitely see people struggle working for companies and being like part indie, part like working for companies. So yeah, I, I don't think like anything is necessarily perfect, uh, perfect solution. But it's like I, I guess it's like more about like finding your fit, what's right for you. How do you get to do the work that you enjoy? How how are you growing personally? Um, and like Orbit, I, I think I'm growing um, a lot personally and also in in my, I guess, uh, desire to kind of impact the community world. I think I'm doing that and I get access to stuff that I wouldn't if I was trying to do all of it, all of that kind of stuff on my own. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely like the pros and cons. Um so it, yeah, but but it's it's easy to think because like when I joined uh, Orbit, it, it was at the back of my mind. It was like, oh my god, what will people think? I'm I've been indie for for fifteen years. Um, uh, I, you know, should I actually take this job? Is it is it in conflict with with who I am? Because mm-hmm. those de- the, all of that was definitely in the back of my mind. I you know I can't I won't lie about that. You know I was you know nervous about announcing it. Um, not sure what people would think, um, but I think at, at the end of the day, is like I'm still sticking to to who I am. I'm still sticking to my values. I'm still pushing for the things that are important for me in orbit. Um, if I don't get those, then it's going to become a problem, <laughs> um, you know. So it's like I'm still um, being me in in every every space that I show up. Um, and that's what's important to me is that and if I can't get that then that's where it becomes a problem for me I think yeah. poor Patrick <laughs> my boss <laughs> you know I I noticed that you just said how you had this conflict around identity and I feel like that's running undercurrent of a lot of time when people are having this struggle is identifying as a founder and all of the things that come with it, identifying as an indie hacker, identifying as someone who, you know, runs their own things and whatnot and shifting identity into something else, into, some, into you know, who am I if I am not somebody who runs their own company? What yeah. does that say about me? Yeah. And just who am I as as a person? I think in a world where we wrap up so much of our identity and what we do for work, um, that's a that's a massive and can be quite a, a you know debilitating um, 
sort of shift and, and, and psychological process to go through. And yet what I also heard you say several times through, throughout the, um, the conversation is the reason why you took the job with Indie Hackers or the contract with Indie Hackers is because you wanted to learn. And, and I wonder if that transition is a little bit smoother when you, you think of, you know, there's, you have this identity as an indie hacker, as a founder. You also has the, have the, an identity as someone who likes to do other things. And one of those, I think for you, that really comes through is somebody who's curious and, and who likes to learn and letting another identity um, almost kind of supplant that, that founder one that's sort of, you know, taking a back seat. Yeah, it's interesting. It actually brings me back to like ministerial testing, and like when I stepped back, it was like, um, oh my god, like who am I? Who am I going to be now? I've been this testing person, this uh, person leading a testing community for so long. Um, I'm almost leaving behind much of that. Obviously, like I, I still keep in touch with people, but I'm not in that world anymore. It's like, um. Yeah, it was it was hard. It's hard to shift away from that and to figure out how to um, how to kind of redefine your life and who you want to be, and how how do you get people um, to to I guess to see that to know that um, and yeah, it's. It's tough, and I guess like right now with the indie stuff, like you know, I do Rosyland stuff on the side, but even that, I feel like oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I I see a lot of the indie stuff happening. I still keep an eye on indie hackers, um, but you know, at the same time, I I miss indie hacking as well. I don't do nearly as much as I would love, and I you know, I struggle with that. So it's like, um, how how much of these different people can I be? How, how do I how do I separate that do I need to separate that um I mean I, I was I was employed at Orbit was you know full well knowing that I had all this stuff on the side mm-hmm. um and that that had to continue to exist and um, when I joined Orbit um but yeah I, I feel like I definitely feel less a part of the indie world because just because I don't have the time to to spend in it um and that makes me feel sad definitely sad and I want to do more but I can't just because because of time um but yeah I don't I don't even know where I'm going with this but it's a constant shift of identity moving on almost like shedding skin all right is that I shed my skin from ministry testing I'm shedding my skin a bit from indie hackers but not quite um and you know, moving through life, I think like, I think we almost become different people as we, as we grow up. I mean, I think, you know, I'm in my early 40s now. Um, am I the same person that I was 10 years ago? I was like, yes, but no. And that's okay. Um, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going, but yeah. It's interesting you say that, and I, I love how you dove into the identity shifts of that. And... You know, I like so even though you're no longer with, you know, indie hackers proper, 
Like I still think of you as the mama bear of <laughs> the indie world. <laughs> and maybe that's just my head, but like that's that's it, it's you know Rosie Sherry, mama bear of the indie hackers. Well, I like that. I'll have to put that on my Twitter bio. <laughs> But it's interesting, right? People will always remember you for different things. So there will be people mm-hmm. from the testing community who will always remember me for ministry testing and things I did there. And nothing will probably change that as much. And um, a ton of indie hackers out there will remember me as being the mama of there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. But um, yeah, and like the more I do an orbit, orbit the, the more people are associating me not with being indie but being more all about community Mm -hmm. um and that's okay as well right um what does it mean is that I don't know but but I think like I mean you know I guess it goes back to trends life the world changing no one has careers for life anymore um and and this is you know probably I guess like proof of it it's like um Let's, you know, change as we grow. Let's be okay with, like, actually discovering things um, as we learn about ourselves and as we learn about the world around us and and adapt. And um, we should, yeah, I th- yeah, I think we should all be able to do that and make, make it feel okay and make it, you know, not, not feel like step backwards is you know it's not a step backwards it's just like it's you as an individual you're you're doing what's what's right for you at any point in your life um and that's you know that's okay i'm reminded of the walt whitman quote um i contain multitudes and and i feel like what you're you're saying is is about that we have many different identities and even the identities of us in other people's minds may be different than what we think of ourselves as or um, reflects a version of us in the past. And, you know, your that that identity that you had as a founder, the identity you had as the community person for, for indie hackers, um, as Rosie Land, uh, as community person at Orbit, like, all of those are valid and they all exist regardless of, um, you know, what you're currently doing. Um, and I, and I feel like what you're saying is you don't really have to choose one, you know, you can still, you can still have all of those pieces and so many more pieces of yourself and, um, and and it's okay to shift and change and, and grow. Yeah. I think like, you know, as as I guess like an unschooling approach to things, uh, we we encourage everything we do is like child led learning, and like I live that that same philosophy in life. It's like you know, um, I think like I think also like as I get older, I just like, I, I just can't spend any time on anything that I don't enjoy, and then when I look at my kids, I'm like. Um, why should they have to spend any time on the things that they don't enjoy? We should, like, you know, focus uh, focus all our energy as much as, as possible to, to do the things that we love because that's, that's like, a really special place to, to be in. Um, 
and like at, at, at the moment like like you know I've been working for 23 years of my life when I started out working um man it was just like a different place and like where I am now I'm like this is just such a better place to be you know do, doing work that, that I love that I appreciate that that you know um I believe that I can have impact on um and if I look back at myself like 20 years ago and see see where I am now as I I, I would have like I guess never never imagined that this kind of life is possible you know the life I had then was all about working for in jobs that I didn't really enjoy that much or for companies that I wasn't really that interested in what they were doing and now it's like everything's flipped to like I'm working for a, a company that I believe in what they're doing I enjoy the day-to-day work we're aligned in, in, in the things that we want to do and that's just like whoa you know how you know how, how great is that to to be a part of that and regardless of the outcome whether you know I continue to rise up in the company whether I continue to get pay rises whether whether orbit ends up you know growing massively and IPOing that that doesn't matter to me it's like what matters is uh, you know being able to do do what I love right now follow the things you love even if those things <laughs> take you away from entrepreneurship to working for other people and changing your identity and yeah Yeah. I mean I I, I look at Patrick my uh, one of the co-founders and I see some of the things that he has to do as a founder and I'm like I'm so glad I'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and like I can see it as a founder it's like because like not not to the same extent you know they've raised money it's it's a different game but you know the, the same principles apply. It's like I don't have to do any of the, that stuff, and I'm very happy about that. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like you're in a good place now. Um, I want I want to thank you for for joining us today. You know, we again in this sort of indie world, we talk a lot about building in public, and you know, I talk about writing in public. Um, but something I am really valuing lately is when people are willing to be vulnerable in public. And I feel so much uh, from that of that from you, um, not only in on on Twitter and, and your support of other people, but also here today. Um, and and I, I have a feeling that that your story today, is is gonna make somebody at least one person feel feel less alone and feel um feel better about their journey hopefully you know less shame about going from entrepreneurship to employment i hope so i hope so i try i think it's it's hard i guess i mean i i don't know what your experience is but like women in tech women in business you know there's like i guess it's hard to stand up to to certain things and be open about the challenges that we have um so yeah i I try i try my best i think like my confidence increases over time um (laughs) like almost like i don't give a damn anymore like what people think i don't know if that comes with age 
Um, but like, you know, I, I definitely wasn't this open about everything before. Um, so yeah, P- part of me like does it to to help other people see. I think it's important, like who I am, a woman, five kids, on schooling. I kind of want to show people that, yeah, yes, I'm a bit obsessive with the things that I want to do. I'm like, you know, switched on like all the time, pretty much. Um, but but I spend lots of time with my kids as well. You know, I manage to make it work, and I guess like my hope is that in time, like more people can be like this if they if if that's what they choose. You know, if they if they can see the possibility. Um, you know, it's it's done me a lot of good, and I guess like there must be more people out there that mm. want something like this, and for them to be able to see an example, I guess is 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 what's in the back of my mind when I tweet, when I write, when I Making do all, it okay all, all my things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for no, 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 joining yeah. us today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate catching up. If you enjoyed this episode, please let Rosie and I know on Twitter. You can find us at Software Social Pod. Thanks. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabelles, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender. Brendan from Feederloop. Pascal from Sharpen.Page. Lynn Romick from Convini. Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm. Jessica Malnick. Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker. Eldon from Nodal Studios. Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.